When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Well, the CEBL, the Canadian Elite Basketball League, is kicking off championship weekend here in Edmonton with the awards ceremony. Top Canadian, top player, and uh, many more being handed out. It's Brendan Escott here filling in for both Reed Wilkins and Dave Campbell. Tonight on Inside Sports, Dave back, well, he's back tomorrow, but calling a football game. You'll hear that live here on 6.30, Chad. Countdown to kickoff for the Lions and the Elks live from Vancouver goes at 6, game time at 8. But let's focus on the hard court for the immediate time being. Xavier Moon is a name who, if you aren't paying close attention to the Edmonton sports scene, well, you frankly may still have heard this in your periphery because he's been tearing up the Canadian Elite Basketball League for all three years that he's been a member. Xavier Moon is gunning for his third consecutive Player of the Year award tonight. He joins us now on Inside Sports. Xavier, how's it going? And it's going great, man. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, the pleasure is all mine. And listen, it's year three for you in the Canadian Elite Basketball League and year three worth of, you know, uh, if not dominant, certainly uh, up there as one of the top players nominated for Player of the Year once again as the award ceremony set to go tonight. So let's just back out and look at the season as a whole. 13-1 and for you and the team and uh, another successful run under Jermaine Small. Yes, sir. Um, it, was, it was a great year. Um, we kind of picked up where we left off last year, uh, winning the championship, uh, bringing our bringing our core guys back, man, and, and it's been a good run uh, thus far. Uh, getting ready to go into championship weekend. What do you think has made this team so successful over the last couple of years? You've obviously got a lot of individual talent on the team. I think of you, I think of Jordan Baker. There's other names there, of course. But uh, to come together as a group to have this kind of success, there must be something bigger at play. Um, it has to be our chemistry off the court. Um, a lot of a lot of our team has been together for three years. Um, so our, our core group, like you said, Jordan Baker, um, Adika, Matthew, um, all of us have played since the first year. So I think our, our chemistry off the court um, is, is what gives us that success on the court. You're a well-traveled basketball player in your own career, Xavier. Has your experience picked up along the way there allowed you to be somewhat more of a leader or a better quality leader for this team? For sure. Um, specifically last year, um, playing with a lot of younger guys um, and me being one of, the, one of the older guys on the team, um, I really had to lead by example and by using my voice. So I think that only helped me uh, coming into this year, uh, this year with the Stingers. Chatting with Xavier Moon of the Edmonton Stingers on uh, the night where the award ceremony kicks off championship weekend here in Edmonton. And I got to ask you about having home court advantage for an event like this. Uh, does it feel, I mean, it's got to be good just to get back out on the court in front of fans versus what you guys contended with last year. But there's got to be something to be said for, uh, for playing on home court too, isn't there? For sure. Uh, you, you got the home crowd. Um, when we always say, like, the home crowd is our sixth man. 
Um, so getting that opportunity to play in front of our fans again um, and then being able to host championship weekend is big for us, um, especially winning it last year and not being able to do it in front of the fans. Um, it just it makes us uh, more hungry. Uh, to win it in front of our fans this year. Now, you were still, uh, you know, able to take down the, the championship last year, and in fact, yourself named uh, MVP of Championship Weekend. You know, what what did you learn in that um, in that sequence that, or in that event, that really you think is going to be beneficial for you guys this year coming in again? Well, um, like I spoke about earlier, uh, just that chemistry that we have. Um, going into last year, we knew it was only like a two-week period of where we would be playing. So we knew uh, that, that chemistry would, would be the determining factor once we got to the end. Um, nothing's changed this year. A um, couple more games than it was last year. But that, that chemistry um, is what's going to keep us going and, and making sure that we're healthy once it comes to Friday and then possibly the championship game on Sunday. What do you know about the level of play at this tournament? I got to ask you. You know, having gone through the the season thirteen and one, you guys end the the season on a six game winning streak. But um, you know, obviously, there's going to be some pressure on you guys still to repeat as champions. Let's just talk about how you think this weekend's going to play out here as far as the competition goes. Um, well, none of those fourteen games matter. Um, playoff basketball is a lot different than regular season. Um, like you said, it, I don't think there'll be any pressure on us because um, at the end of the day, it's still just a basketball game. Um, but we're going to approach it how we've approached every game this year um, and see what happens. Are you getting to experience any of the rest of the festival going on around there? Are you guys pretty dialed into the, the game stuff? I know they've got some concerts with Roy Woods and that sort of thing. And, but I imagine with, the, with big things on the line here, you know, it's great to draw the, uh, the attention, I guess, of the basketball world to Edmonton with an event like this. But as a player, uh, are you, you're more focused on, obviously, what's going on on the court than uh, sort of the event as a whole, I imagine. Um, actually, we we kind of enjoy the festivities. Uh, we don't do too much, um, but at the same time, we, we know what what the task at hand is, and we're more than focused on that. Um, but we, I mean, we enjoy the festivities as well because it's, it's also a part of the game. Uh, we're not trying to take take anything too serious, but like I said, we're not front. We're dialed in. We're focused on Friday, and then we'll let the chips fall where they may. What do you think it means to the city of Edmonton as we chat with Xavier Moon from the Stingers who host uh, the Canadian Elite Basketball League Championship Weekend? Xavier, what do you think that it means to the city of Edmonton to be able to showcase itself as sort of maybe more of a basketball market than people would give it credit for? Um, I think it means a lot to the city. Um, my first year here, I heard that it had been a team here before, um, it, and it wasn't quite as successful as we are. So I think having a basketball team here that's, that's winning games and possibly uh, can bring another championship to the city, I think it, it'll draw more attention to us and to the league as a whole. And we're coming down to the end of your third season uh, in Edmonton. How have you watched maybe even the quality of, of, you know, the play on the court and who you're playing against? But, uh, you know, is Edmonton growing? Is the CEBL growing Canadian basketball in your opinion? Oh, it's definitely growing, um, and not even from season to season. I would say from from game to game. Uh, you see, you see a couple of new players uh, sometimes from game to game. A player that you haven't seen yet, uh, new signings, uh, people leaving to go overseas. So you're having to acquire new players in the middle of the season, and I think that's only helping uh, Canadian basketball. And obviously, the addition of a new team uh, in Scarborough. So it's it's growing, um, and I'm just happy to be a part of it.
and certainly on the forefront of it as well. Again, I mentioned over the last couple of years, you know, Player of the Year awards, you're up for that once again, just as an individual speaking, you know, to your own basketball career, 26 years old now, having been around a little bit. What would that award tonight mean to you? Um, to even be nominated uh, for the third year straight, um, if I can't even put it in words, to be honest with you. Um, it just it, it goes to show the work that I put in is paying off. Um, but nothing that I do, I can ever do without my teammates and my coaching staff. Um, so I, I really have to give the credit to them because they allow me to be the player that I am. Moving forward here, is is this the final stop for you? Or are you looking for opportunities overseas? I know you had a cup of coffee uh, with the Raptors 905 in the G League, a tryout there. So where where is your basketball career going sort of as this weekend wraps up and, and you're hoping to carry on here with, uh, with the Stingers? Um, I actually signed a couple weeks ago um, to go to Italy, uh, A2. So I'll be, after this season, I'll get a, a couple of days at home, maybe a week or two. Um, and then I head off to Italy um, the, the beginning of September. And then after that, man, I'm just trying to trying to make my way up that ladder, uh, trying to get to the highest level I can, uh, whether that be overseas or NBA G League or the NBA. So um, I still got a lot of basketball left to play. Uh, so hopefully it'll take me to some places that I haven't seen yet. And um, hopefully during the summer, I can be coming back to everything. Well, Xavier, I appreciate you taking the time tonight to talk to me. Good luck, uh, not only at the Ward Show tonight, but of course as uh, Championship Weekend unfolds at the Expo Center. Yes, sir, I really appreciate it. There hasn't been a better player in the Canadian Elite Basketball League since it formed a couple years ago than Xavier Moon. We'll see if that trend continues with the hardware tonight. Might need to add another shelf to the old floating wall there. Uh, it is... 715 in Edmonton. Let's press pause and then come back and talk Women's World Cup with Sarah Nurse. Scott in tonight on Inside Sports. Reed Wilkins with the week off. Dave Campbell down in Vancouver in advance of tomorrow's Elks-Lions game. 8 o'clock kickoff here on 6.30, Chad. But we're talking hockey right now, and specifically our neighbours to the south of us in Calgary hosting the Women's World Hockey Championship, the first one contested in over, uh, in over two years now. So we're pleased to be joined by Sarah Nurse, who talks about, uh, well, a lot of things going on with this team. Sarah, how's it going today? Yeah, camp was great. We've actually uh, all got been gathered in Calgary since about July 23rd, I think. So we had a camp with our national women's team just kind of in preparation for the World Championship. And then they invited um, the national women's development team out so that we could kind of split up, intermingle, and um, uh, play games against each other, which was awesome. Um, the environment was great. We were kind of put in another bubble over there so that we were all safe and healthy and, and everything went very, very well. Do you find it uh, a fun environment when you get to sort of play the veteran role and, and maybe more the leadership and the um, the role model, but also be pushed by some of the younger, the next generation and, and inspired in that sense as well. Absolutely. 
absolutely. I think it's awesome. Um, myself personally, we have a little group of us that we call ourselves the sophomores. So we're not like in the senior super veteran role, but we definitely have some girls coming up who, who look up to us and who also push us because we have a lot of talent coming up through our development line. And I think with Hockey Canada, it's been amazing to see everybody's development over the last few years. And our future definitely looks bright. And looking at the, the actual final roster for the World Championships, Sarah, it is exactly what you just described. I see the transitional phase where, of course, you've got your Marie-Philippe Poulin and Brianne Jenner, Natalie Spooner, as well as yourself and, you know, your Blair Turnbulls and sort of that intermediate range. And then uh, the story of Kristen Campbell even making the team off of that uh, development roster. You know, it's quite an interesting blend that you've got for Team Canada right now, isn't it? Yeah, we have a, such a unique blend um, in terms of our centralization process where we all get together throughout this year preparing for the Olympics. We have 14 newly centralized players, so 14 rookies, and it's going to be a lot of fun because they bring a lot of energy, a lot of youth, and a lot of talent and skill. And so we're pretty excited to inject that into our lineup. And I think with obviously our veteran presence, um, they've, they've been able to win at Olympic Games, multiple Olympic Games before. And so we're very excited for this team and, and this season coming up. Chatting with Sarah Nurse right now from the Canadian national women's team uh, you must have been awfully inspired I was in tears if uh, to watch the the women's soccer team take down gold at the Olympics uh, that must have been an awful inspiration uh, for you guys to watch at that time too yeah, that was such a cool moment. We actually all were able to gather. It was early in the morning, probably around 7 or 8 o'clock in the morning, but we all gathered and we watched the penalty kicks. And um, it was definitely reminiscent of kind of what we went through in 2018, but it was so cool to see them win and see how hard they worked and, and just see them come home with a gold medal because so many players on that team and, and on that staff deserve it. So it's definitely a little push in the back of our minds so that we can get that gold uh, in the next few weeks and then also in Beijing. No gold at this particular event for Canada since 2013 you specifically have uh, won bronze at the 2019 worlds silver in Pyeongchang in 2018 as you mentioned so the hunger for you Sarah I imagine is has never been greater to get gold Definitely. I think for this group, it's, it's been difficult just because obviously um, everything with the pandemic has been put on hold. And so we haven't been able to play in a very long time, very long time. I think it's something like 800 something days at this point. Um, and so we are very excited to get get back in there and, and chase gold. Are you anticipating any kind of home ice advantage given that the tournament is in Calgary now? I think it's going to be awesome to be in Calgary, just knowing that we're playing, you know, on our home soil. Um, it's our home rink actually here when we play in Calgary. And so we have a lot of familiarity being able to be on TSN um, so that our games are broadcast across the country and also around the globe is going to be absolutely amazing. And we definitely feel the love from Canada. Uh, can you describe the emotion of pulling that Canadian sweater over your head and just, you know, I imagine that it's it's got to be such a an experience that you're used to at this point, right? But you, you're around some girls that are going to be doing it for the first time and, and just take me inside what that feels like to represent Canada. You know what, in all honesty, it never gets old. Um, it's something that I've been fortunate enough to do for the last 10 years um, from the U18 team to the development team to now the senior team. And honestly, every time you pull on the Maple Leaf, you feel this immense level of privilege because there are so many people, there are so many men and women who would love to be on Team Canada and you get the opportunity to do that. And so there's a whole country behind you when you put on that jersey. And it honestly just gives me chills talking about it, but it's, <laughs> it's such a special moment. And I can't wait for our rookies to be able to do that at the senior 
available. I'm going to shift gears in a moment to the uh, Professional Women's Hockey Players Association, but I, I did mention Kristen Campbell. I know this was kind of one of the bigger stories to come out of this camp. What what did you see out of the young goaltender? You would have been the one shooting on her for a little <laughs> bit there. What allowed her to take the step this year? You know what? I think it's pretty awesome because we had such an incredible crop of goalies when um, we came down to kind of the final selection. Um, you know, we had six goalies who really made a push. And I, I think Supi, just the way that she prepares herself and the way that she trains, her mentality is absolutely incredible. Um, she's someone that from the minute she wakes up in the morning to the minute she goes to bed, she's working. She's doing her virtual reality. She's doing some sort of goalie training. And so it's pretty inspiring for all of us to see. And just seeing the way she works in practice, she's so um, she finds to she fine tunes her game all the time, and so I definitely think her work ethic and also her talent definitely earned her a spot. Chatting with Sarah Nurse right now. Uh, now, Sarah, a prominent member of the Professional Women's Hockey Player Association. So, tell me about uh, some of the work that you and the organization have are doing, have been doing to try and and grow the game. I'm sure it's been a pretty tumultuous last uh, year and a half, no doubt. But uh, just overall, I'd love to hear about some of the work. Yeah, throughout this last season, obviously with the pandemic, things slowed down a little bit, but we were able to get events um, throughout North America. We had three events in the United States, and we also had one big event here in Calgary. And just being able to partner with different organizations, corporations, and also different National Hockey League teams throughout the league has been awesome um, because we're aligning with people and organizations who definitely have um, our vision and our mission, and they, they understand where where we want to go and where we're coming from and so we're very excited to be able to put on a dream gap tour for the third season and it's going to be a lot of fun there are going to be a lot of cool stops and so we have a lot planned and we're very excited for everyone to see are you seeing groups and entities more and more receptive to the growth of the women's game as time goes along here as you guys keep working towards that sort of mentality Absolutely, and I think in the beginning when we when we formed the PA, um, it was pretty much to bring awareness to the situation because so many people were unaware of the climate of women's hockey and really women's sports um, at large. And so we wanted to bring awareness to what was going on and, and really tell people that, hey, yeah, we're the Olympians that you cheer for every four years, but we don't have anywhere to go in between. And so ultimately, our, I think our goal has been reached and we continue to partner with people and organizations who, again, do align with what we want to see for the future of women's hockey and so it's been great to be able to meet so many new people over the last few years. Now looking at this uh, in the way that it had been structured before there was a Canadian women's league and there was sort of a national women's league that was based out of the United States and now there's sort of the dream gap tour which as you're saying is a showcase but in your mind the next I guess the where where would it be at a stable place and 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 how do you envision it getting there in the future in terms of where you do have a place where you can be a professional women's hockey player and have that exposure every year not just every four years I think definitely a professional league is, is very important and a professional league that, you know, people can aspire to be a part of. Um, you know, we see it with men's national leagues across the world and we don't get to see the same thing, especially in Canada for hockey. Um, when we claim it's our national sport, we all have so many ties to the game from such a young age. And so we don't want to put a ceiling on little girls. We want them to be able to dream, to aspire, to really work towards playing in a professional hockey league. And I think that's our ultimate goal. The PA. 
wrapping up here with uh, Sarah Nurse, what um, what does training look like? And you're talking about the, having 800 days between, you know, actually getting out there and playing in in the capacity that you will become August 20th here. So, you know, that I, to me that sounds like such self-policed, disciplined um, training regimes and that sort of thing. But what what does it look like day to day for you, Sarah, when you're trying to keep yourself at the top of your game without the benefit of having that team consistently there? Yeah, I think it's a huge piece of self-accountability and knowing that you have to be ready for action whenever you're called upon. Whenever there's a tournament, an event, something that goes on, like you have to be ready. And if you're not ready, your teammates are going to know, your coaches are going to know, and you're ultimately going to know. And so it's having that accountability. And I know that with our group now, we have such a great group of girls that I know in my home in, in my hometown in Hamilton, I'm working hard. And I know that in Montreal, Poulin's working hard. You know, I know in Calgary, Blair Turnbull's working hard. Mm-hmm. So we have that um, morale within our group. And so when we go back to our normal hubs, to our hometowns, we still put in the work because we know we have a greater goal at the end of the day. Do you have one highlight so far in your career internationally or otherwise that really yeah. stands out? <laughs> Definitely. Um, I think obviously going to the Olympics in 2018 was such a huge highlight. Um, And I I actually scored a goal against the Americans in round robin play. And it wasn't so much the goal, but it was being able to see my teammates' reaction and then also my parents' reaction in the stands. Like, my mom was bawling. My dad was fist pumping. Like, it was such a cool moment because so much hard work and sacrifice um, was paying off in that moment. Not only my own, but my teammates and my parents who had sacrificed so much for me growing up. And so... It was kind of like that full circle moment that I'll definitely never forget. And that is Sarah Nurse from the Canadian Women's National Team. They, on Friday, will drop the puck on their quest for gold. For the first time since 2013, we're back on the other side of a global news weather traffic update with Andy Ide. We'll talk cracking in Seattle. this evening Reed on vacation regular show producer out on the west coast ready to call the Edmonton Elks and the BC Lions so I figured hey let's phone up our friend Andy Ide down in Seattle and let's find out what's going on this summer since the NHL expansion draft we talked to Andy a couple of times uh, prior to this summer just teeing things up from the franchise's perspective and now Andy we actually get to talk about tangible things we can pick at and scrutinize and uh, I welcome you to the show to do just that how are you doing today I'm doing great thanks for having me on it's always fun to chat hockey and you're right we, we actually have real players to talk about now and it's not a theory anymore. <laughs> exactly. So let me ask you about the expansion draft itself. Uh, a lot of people wondering why it looked so different when Ron Francis executed it versus uh, George McPhee and how it was done in Vegas. I'm obviously laying that out right away because this is the recency example, but two very different, I, I think, fantasy or, or I'm going to keep screwing that up. Expansion drafts, <laughs> not fantasy drafts in, in terms of what was available in terms of managers having more experience and knowing what assets and how to manage them and that sort of thing. But let's get your thoughts, Andy, on, on the roster composition of the Seattle Kraken now that we know yeah I think there were uh, a couple major differences between what Seattle did and with with what Vegas did and 
you know, mainly the main thing was was the the draft picks that Vegas was able to acquire during their expansion draft. You know, teams didn't want to wanted big contracts off their their pay their payroll, and they were willing to give up you know pretty high draft picks. I think Vegas ended up getting two first rounders out of that that draft, and Seattle got nothing basically out of their draft. So that, that's the main difference. And you know, Vegas also then used those two first those first rounders to get guys like Mark Stone and Patch Reddy and turn into the Vegas that we know today. Um, but if you look back at the, the actual players that they ended up with, that they drafted, it's not that far off. In fact, you know, the numbers are very comparable the year before they, they came to Vegas as the guys that Seattle got. So uh, I think people remember those draft picks and what they turned into. Seattle didn't get any of those draft picks. What they did get was cap flexibility. Um, they set themselves up in a pretty good situation uh, with the salary cap, which I think they'll continue to exploit here over the next couple of seasons. Let's talk about the strengths and weaknesses that you see on this roster. I look in the defense and the signings they were able to make with Jamie Alexiak, of course, prying Adam Larson out of Edmonton using the expansion pick on him. It looks like an NHL-ready defense core to me. That's a strength, but I'd like to get your thoughts and maybe where they could stand to improve. Yeah, the defense is definitely a strength. Defense and goaltending, I'd add that grabbing. You know, They, they shocked everybody by, by getting Philip Grubauer free agency. We didn't see that coming. Um, so they, they have a pretty good tandem in, in Grubauer and Chris Drieger that they got from Florida. It was also a UFA. Uh, but they also have Mark Giordano on that defense, too. The defense, uh, especially the top, the top four, is going to be very, very stout, uh, very experienced. Uh, you know, I think that definitely is the strength of the team. I think they're going to be hard to play with. You look at the forward group, they have, they've got some, a lot of similarity in their wingers. There are a lot of, a lot of two-way guys, a lot of guys who, you know, maybe right around that 20-25 goal scoring mark. Uh, not, not any kind of big-time scorer. But where the, where the real, I think, kind of hole is, is is down the middle and center. They don't really have an, an elite center. They don't really – they're kind of a little bit weak there. They're hoping Yanni Gord can come back healthy. He's going to miss the two months, the first two months of the season with a, a shoulder uh, surgery he had after the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, so you're looking at Alex Wenberg uh, from the Florida Panthers, who's probably going to start the year as a top center. And that, that's the big question mark there. He had a – a breakout year last year where he scored 17 goals for Florida, but he also shot 20%, which is way above his career high and in his career average. I think he's a 9% shooter normally. And so I don't know that you can count on that again, uh, but he might be a, a, he's a two-way center. So he might you know fit in between some better players and better wingers. So it's going to be interesting to see who ends up down the middle. And I think that that right now is the glaring weakness. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of redundancy in their center group. Chatting with Andy Eide from NHL.com about the Seattle Kraken, who it looks like would benefit from a couple of guys obviously taking that next step the same way that we saw with, for example, a Riley Smith and uh, maybe a, a William uh, William Carlson in Vegas. And these were guys who weren't necessarily stars in their own team, of course. And then when they moved into a better opportunity, they took off somewhat. Is there anybody that fits that bill? Maybe one of these younger players. I look at an Appleton. I look at a Jared McCann that have been in the league for a little bit who could be ready to pop with the right opportunity. Yeah, I think they're hoping for something like that. You know, some of the, some of their guys in the, maybe the middle of the bottom six are a little bit on the younger side, as you mentioned. Uh, and so maybe uh, an elevated role or, or, you know, more more ice time is going to help him. Appleton definitely is one that I would look at. You know, he, he had a pretty good year last year with Winnipeg, and, you know, now he's going to be older. He's probably going to get better ice time. He may even get a look at center. He can play center and. And on the wing, he did a little bit of both last year with uh, Winnipeg. Uh, you know, you mentioned Jeremy McCann is another guy, and then one that I that I've been kind of that I'm kind of rooting for, just because he has some local ties here, is uh, Morgan Geeky, who they got from the Carolina Hurricanes. 
Uh, that guy, when he was in the Tri-City Americans in the Western League, was a big-time scorer. He scored pretty well in the AHL, the two full seasons he had. And he just, you know, he, he last year he got called up to the to the NHL, and he played on a very talented Hurricanes team. He's got a lot of good forwards. So he only got about nine minutes a night. And, you know, he's got, he's a very good shooter. And I, I just think his track record of being an offensive player, you give him 15 minutes a night, what, how much better is he going to be? So that's a guy that I kind of am circling as maybe if he gets to be a third-line center, he might be able to put up some bigger numbers and be a surprise. And it, this is the second time that Ron Francis drafted him because he was originally a draft pick of Francis's when he was the Hurricane general manager. So there's some familiarity there. Yeah, and I was going to say the same about Jake Bean and them choosing, in fact, to pass on yeah. the former lottery pick, the former Calgary Hitman defenseman, and, and go with Morgan Geeky. So there's got to be something about this player's, you know, character or maybe something that doesn't leap out quite yet that Ron Francis figures could materialize as we chat Seattle cracking hockey with Andy Ide here. So, you know, expect- expectations of this team, I don't really know that we can have any at this point other than to say the Pacific will definitely be a division in which you shouldn't be the worst team necessarily if you go out and and you know grind each and every night there's some teams in rebuild right now I think that based on the defense we've described Seattle might be in a position where it shouldn't be the struggle of the expansion franchise that we maybe saw back in the 90s if you will yeah I I would agree with that you know there, there are still some some maybe newer fans here who saw what Vegas did and think well that's the benchmark and, and I think that's very unrealistic. You know, I, I think what Vegas did was once-in-a-lifetime kind of thing. I think if they played that season ten times over, that, that one, that only that one would be would they be that successful. But you're right. You look at the Pacific Division, it's not the strongest division. You know, it's, it's kind of Vegas and everybody else. I, I might put Edmonton up there, you know, maybe second or third. Um, but I think Seattle can compete in that division. And I think, to me, if they, my only expectations would be that if they're competing for a playoff spot at the end of the season, if they've had a successful first season, I'm not expecting them to go make a run uh, or even make the playoffs necessarily. But as long as they're in it, they're playing important games late in the regular season, I think that'll have been a successful season that they can build off of. Is there any fear? I know you covered the the Western Hockey League down there, something we're very mm-hmm. familiar with in the Edmonton market. The Seattle Thunderbirds, as I understand, do great as a hockey market down there. But are you worried, and has there been any talk, or what can you tell us, I guess, about whether there's any encroachment on, say, even such as like the, the advertising, the sponsorship deals, that it may be more appealing for a company to take the NHL route moving forward than it would have been mm-hmm. in past with the Thunderbirds, for example? Yeah, you know, is that something that comes up a lot and people ask about that a lot, if it's going to hurt them. The Kraken, for, you know, they'll tell you that they want to be a partner, they, that if they do their job right, that the, the, the profile of hockey in this market will only rise and that it'll help uh, Seattle and the Ever Silvertips, who are also in the region. You know, I think they've got a couple things going for them, those two teams. The tickets are obviously a lot cheaper. You know, you can, you can for, for just like a couple pair of tickets to the Kraken, you can probably come close to buying season tickets for one of the WHL teams. And, uh, you know, just everything's a little cheaper. Concessions are going to be cheaper. And so as far as sponsorship, that, yeah, that's going to be interesting to see because they do have the Thunderbirds do have some big sponsors. But you might also see them look at some maybe smaller smaller sponsors that, that won't have to pay as much and, and they can survive that way. You know, I think the hope, the hope is that it does kind of draw more interest into hockey. And people, there's still a lot of people here who don't really understand what the Western Hockey League is. They, they, hear, they hear the term junior hockey and think that you're talking about you know, little kids, yeah. you know, twelve-year-old kids, or something like that. Uh, it's kind of poor, poor marketing. But uh, you know, I, I don't think they realize that these are guys. You, you go to any WHL game and you're seeing 
a guy who's going to be in the NHL in the next year or two, right? It's, a, it's like going to a major major college football team, like going to the University of Washington Huskies. You're seeing guys that are at that level. And I think the more education that happens, more people will realize that, hey, this is actually pretty good hockey that we can see, we take our family to and see live hockey at a much, much cheaper rate. I mean, initially there may be some, they, they may see a downturn, you know, the first month or two of the season when there's all this crack and hype. But I think in the long run, I think both, both Everett and Seattle will do, will do pretty well in the WHL here. And I'll ask you, conversely, for the Kraken to now try and be competing with, oh, I don't know, the Seattle Seahawks as training camp mm-hmm. is well underway in the NFL as well. And this is the first time where, again, there's actually been a tangible team here where, you know, you're ready to drop the puck on the season. How has the marketplace been in terms of interest in this team still, while I imagine that NFL and probably even MLB obviously still dominating interest there? Yeah, we actually have a Mariner team worth talking about, which is the first time in probably two <laughs> decades. But uh, so that, that that's helped them. You know, it's interesting. The, the season is pretty much sold out for the Kraken. You can't you can't get a ticket unless you go to the resale market. And the prices for those resale tickets are, are unbelievably high, are astronomical. There's people getting, you know, almost $2,000 a game or at least asking for that. So the supply and demand appears to be there. I mean, people are making money on their resales. And they've sold everything out. Uh, you, you walk around town, you start, you see Kraken stuff mixed in with the Mariners and the Seahawks gear, uh, people wearing. So, you know, and if you, I don't know if you guys watched the, the expansion draft, even with most of the people knowing what the picks were going to be, uh, the, that place was packed. Uh, there was a lot of excitement there. I mean, Lake, Lake Union was, you could probably walk across Lake Union with all the boats and paddle boarders that were out there just to, just to be part of it. I think that, that went a long way to show that there is, there's a lot of excitement, even with those other major sports. I think there's been, there's been an underground hockey market here, and I think they're just now we're just now kind of seeing them surface. Chatting with Andy Ido to Seattle about the Kraken. No local guys directly on the team. Now, you mentioned Geeky uh, having played in Tri-City, but you're looking instead at guys who have been around the league quite a while and in the West, like Mark Giordano, Jordan Eberle, probably yeah. going to make up the leadership core of this team, but are these the guys that are being marketed as as the players of the Kraken down there? Yeah, so far, I should say there is one former Seattle Thunderbird, Alexander True, who got selected from San Jose. Now, he's a borderline guy. He most likely will start in the AHL, but there is that one local connection. So he'll be in training camp and preseason and all that good stuff. Uh, but, yeah, Giordano, I think Grubauer will probably be one of those guys. Uh, you look at guys like Eberle, you know, some of those veteran guys that are here now, Jaden Schwartz. I think those are the kind of guys that will become the first real face of the franchise. Uh, and then they're just going to have to see how it plays out. You know, I, I don't know. Vegas didn't, famously hadn't had a captain until this year, right? So it took them three or four years. We'll see if, if Haxall goes right away with a captain. I asked him that when they hired him, and he says, you know, maybe it just depends on what kind of natural leadership group emerges. So uh, obviously Giordano is a is, you know, well, well-respected well leader of the past. He won the Mark Messier War. He was Calgary's captain. So I, I, if I had to bet right now, I would say, yeah, he'd probably be the face and the leader. But I think some of that's just going to have to play out. One more for you here, or maybe two, maybe two. Let me ask you, I, I know you've been sort of working away at uh, getting to know some of these guys, uh, some work mm-hmm. with the prospects and, and the, the Flurry brothers and that sort of thing. Matt, Matt Beneers, the second overall pick, does yeah. he, is he being talked about or viewed as, as maybe the first franchise player there for the Kraken? I think that's what they were hoping he becomes, right? I think they hope he becomes that elite center that every team's looking for. Um, we may have to wait a little bit for that because it's everything seems to be pointing out that he's going to go back to Michigan for one more year, at least at least spend the year there, maybe sign with Seattle at the end of the season. Uh, you know, and, and they, the, the clock's ticking on that because Michigan players have to uh, report on August 23rd. So we'll know here in a couple of weeks what his intentions probably are. Um, it, it's, 
I think some of the fans here are still learning how the NHL draft works because in the NFL, you, you get drafted, you come, you come join the team at training camp. And yeah. if Beneers wants to go back, he's not going to be in training camp. So we, we may not even see him until March or April or whenever Michigan season ends. Um, so I, I think they, they hope the ceiling on him is obviously pretty high. I think they would like him to turn out to be that number one elite center that, they, that the, you know, some of the scouts say he can be. Um, but right now, I think he's still a little bit of unknown amongst like the, the general fans because you know, he, he may not be in training camp, and we probably won't see him this year. So, Well, eventually they'll be able to buy a jersey with his name on the back. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'll ask you this to wrap up, Andy. As far as, as personalities or characters or, or backgrounders that you've learned from some of these guys who have come into Seattle, is there anything that's really stood out to you so far from, from a human interest standpoint kind of a thing? Well, at the expansion draft, Hanif was was pretty hilarious, as you can imagine. Um, he was he was kind of a character. The, the two Flurry brothers are pretty good. They've got a nice, healthy Flurry rival or Flurry family rivalry going. Uh, you know, Hayden said that when they were kids, that that Kale, the younger of the two, you know, most both times they were out in the backyard ring, Kale would come off in tears, and, and so you have a lot of that stuff. Um, you know, they they found out there. Uh, Hayden found out first that he was being drafted. He was actually on the on the way to the airport to come to Seattle, and Kale got the call from Montreal, and so he FaceTimed him and said, "Hey, I'm I'm joining you." And then they wow. called their parents together. That's a pretty cool story uh, that they ended up. They've never really played to get with each other since they were since they were like you know mice or something, but. Uh, it was pretty funny. Pretty funny to talk. We talked to Kale recently. It's, they're pretty funny guys. Well, Andy, I wish you, uh, you know, all the best time in the world as this continues to materialize. Only 56 days, I believe, or probably 55 yeah. for you, I think, before puck drop on the real deal. It's been a long <laughs> road. I can only imagine for you, eh? Uh, thank you for taking time on this Wednesday evening. Uh, we'll definitely bring you back on the station sometime soon, okay? All right, I appreciate it. My pleasure. Have a good night. Absolutely. You too. That's Andy Ide out of Seattle, NHL.com reporter for the Kraken. He was working at ESPN Radio for a period of time as well. Coming to the end of Inside Sports here, Brendan Escott will be back to wrap the show up after this. and the Elks down in BC right now. They're trying to trying to right the ship. 0-2 through the first two weeks of the season. They hit the road for the first time. We will have live coverage of that for you beginning 6 o'clock tomorrow evening. That's, that's why you're hearing me right now. Dave Campbell out on the coast. He will have this uh, well, he'll have the broadcast along with Morley Scott, of course. Again, 6 is your countdown to kickoff. 8 o'clock game time. Michael Riley likely to get the start. Trevor Harris, these two, either one of them really could take the reins from here on out and uh, and steer their team to a Western Conference title, a West Division title, as Bo Levi Mitchell down the QE2 is out for the foreseeable future. And the Stamps are already off to an 0-2 start. So, as we say, time to turn up the gasoline a little bit if you're the Elks. All starts tomorrow. Special thanks to everybody who joined the show today, from Dave Campbell to Xavier Moon to Sarah Nurse, Sandy Ide out of Seattle. It was a fun one. Even Reed Wilkins phoned in. Coming off of a tough day on the links. He's had a few of those. He's probably had a few good ones. A few, few
few more than myself this year. I haven't golfed anywhere near as much as I should be. It's because I'm doing stuff like this all the time, which is an absolute blast. Appreciate you spending this evening with me. Everything back to normal on Friday, I guess. We got the football game tomorrow. But tomorrow afternoon, Oilers Now is with your guest host. <laughs> Yours truly. Told you I'm busy. We'll check in tomorrow at noon. Talk hockey. Cam Moon will be alongside. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody, tonight. So long. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.